Matt Will. No L's, just sevens. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shifts, ripping off rip, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad will, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up for size, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the Daily Blitz podcast with your hosts, Big John at NFL Moving Averages on the Bluebird Twitter machine. And my buddy, the host, Maddie Williams from NBC Edge, also writing football stuff at The Athletic at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. Maddie Williams, good morning. How are you, my buddy? Man, I'm pumped. Uh, that, the Thursday night football game may have been the best opener I've watched in a long time, maybe ever. Uh, it was it was just a fantastic back and forth. I know there was a little controversy on maybe a little offensive pass interference at the end, but whatever. You can't complain. I'm not a fan of either team, which makes it more fun to watch since I'm not emotionally invested. But man, the uh, the Cowboys and the uh, Buccaneers, what a great way to kick off the uh, the freaking season, man. Yeah, that was absolutely incredible. I myself took a couple kind of narrative L's already. And I don't mind, but that's what it is. One, I generally don't like Thursday night football. That was incredible. And then, you know, you and I had spoke previously. I was a little worried about Dak's shoulder. That's clearly in the rear view, at least from the evidence we have yesterday. And I thought maybe the Tampa Bay defense would show up a little bit more. I didn't think anybody would quash the Cowboys, but I did think Tampa Bay D would be a little bit stronger. They kind of showed they're still pretty strong up front. They squashed Elliott. So Zeke Elliott owners don't overreact. And I think Antonio Brown owners probably don't overreact. The Friday show, Matt, you and I think we're going to do what we do best, and it's everything. We're going to try and cross fantasy with DFS, kind of with betting and props, just everything that's pertinent because people are playing so many different formats nowadays. And I think that's a great way to attack it to help you maximize Opportunity. So, Matt, before we get going and pull the cord on all these games, we'll go game by game looking for relevance. We'll bring up the big start sit decisions. We'll bring up the viable DFS plays and just generally what we like about the games. You got anything before we get going, man? No, not really. I mean, I love going through a week one. The pricing has been up for a long time and uh, you. It depends what you're doing, cash or GPP. I know people always say you play different different lineups. I have been pretty successful over the last few years, just uh, kind of rolling even my cash lineups into GPP. First week of the season, that's not really going to fly. People are going to be, a lot of people are going to be playing and they're going to be doing some wild stuff. So uh, yeah, it's, 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 it should be a very interesting week one, but again, uh, you gotta be, you gotta jump in there uh, head first, but we're going to go through game by game and try to maybe, uh, maybe try to peek through some of the chalk that uh, you shouldn't be touching uh, and uh, not necessarily fading at all, because I know that has become a very popular tactic, but Hey, if, if there's a, a play that is worth playing at the price, you, you got to get them in there. I mean, I know some people play volume, but you know, there, there's a method to the madness and we're going to talk about all of it. Yeah. I would totally agree with all of that. I think you made a really good point about cash lineups, probably not being viable in week one with the massive amount of entries that we're going to get. The lineup that's going to win the million dollars is not going to be one you expect. And if I could give people one tip that I've gotten now being surrounded at FTN with a lot of really smart daily players, the chances are this will not be one with a salary that's fully exhausted because everybody is doing that. So 
just leaving a thousand bucks of salary on the table, Matt, will probably separate you as far as ownership from the pack. Just something to keep in mind. All right, people, we're going to go by the daily board up on DraftKings. I prefer DraftKings, so I lean there with my pricing more. I do have FanDuel open. Maybe we'll find some anomalies as we go. First up on the board, Philadelphia and Atlanta. Not so much about betting today for us, but Matt, I mentioned to you, I do think the betting board probably should be the first place you look to get an idea of what the public's perception is as far as scoring. 48 and a half points, that's on the higher end. So right off the bat, I think people are looking at Maybe some poor defenses here. You know, I Allen Hurts. I think he's a sleep breaker. At any time, I think I agree with you with the downside, but I think in this game, he could be a player to watch. I'd also like maybe to pair him with Devonta Smith, who's going off at a decent price as well. Man, the other side's a little bit tougher for Atlanta. Not sure what I expect. Matt, what do you think about this one? Um, well, I think that most I, I don't think there's too many players that are like bad plays in this particular in this particular game because usually there's like a, a ton of fades that you can maybe look at uh or 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 subpar matchups i'd say the one person that i would maybe look to not play uh is maybe mike davis because i think that that the scoring total will be high he's not exactly going to be very useful out of the backfield so i think the game script he's going to be taken out of this game script i think as early as the first five minutes uh you know not to say that he's not going to get his 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 looks but yeah i think this will be a passing game and even though i mean over on DraftKings, he's only 5400 which is definitely not bad uh, I would look to to not go with him. I think you're looking all all passing. Uh, I was originally going to probably recommend Russell Gage. I always have been. I haven't like you know prize picks and other options uh, for betting for the first week because the the Eagles secondary is very thin, and obviously the the further you travel down the rabbit hole, the thinner it gets. So I'm figuring you know that that Kyle Pitts and uh, Calvin Ridley will be getting the defensive attention of the entire Eagles. Uh, defense leaving Russell Gage probably open to break a few things but he's 5300 um I don't know if I necessarily dig that Devonta Smith only 4500 and that's where I'd put my attention right there uh Jalen Hurts is someone obviously no one's going to be sitting in their um regular leagues he comes in at 6400 I don't mind that too much um I don't know. I, I get the feeling he'll actually be a popular choice because of his salary. Um, but again, against the, the Atlanta secondary, I, I think that uh, Jalen Hurts with his wheels could be a good play. But there's a lot of question marks with him himself. He could make his own mistakes, but that doesn't necessarily isolate Devonta Smith, who um, no matter what the Falcons do on defense, if they want to go man to man on him or play zone, he can beat anything that Atlanta can throw at him. He's, he's so talented. So yeah, for 4,500, I believe that uh, he's going to be one of my favorite bets on the board uh, for DFS because he has like an unbelievable ceiling in a game that should have a lot of points scored. Yeah, really, really great job. I think we're in lockstep there. The one thing I'd probably add, again, as I get deeper into playing DFS, I don't want to use the word professionally, let's say more efficiently, um, would be to think about how to deploy these guys you know, in big tournaments. I just actually did a Q&A with Two Guns, and I don't know if anyone is familiar. He's taken down three separate million-dollar tournaments, so he's the only person to ever do that. And I was asking him, Matt, about the run back, right? The standard, I don't know if people are following. So just briefly, generally these GPPs are taken down with a quarterback throwing to two pass catchers on the same team with one pass catcher 
coming back the other way, right? The idea being you scored a ton of points and then kind of get the garbage time to blow back with that last guy that has been a very popular combination. So I like to think in terms of that. This game, I think, checks that box in both directions, people. Again, if you're a single entry, it's going to be very tough in week one to parse out exactly where you want to go. If I'm up to even like 10 lineups, I think there's room for both of these, meaning you could go Hertz plus Devonta Smith and then maybe like a Jalen Rieger, somebody I like that people are not so high on, and then come back. I, I think Zach, Rieger. I think Zach Hertz isn't a bad call at, sure. uh, at it's, 38. Yeah, again, week one is just it's really difficult, right? And to win the GPP, you need the jackpot. I don't know. Yeah, it's very possible. Atlanta's soft everywhere on defense. It's very possible. He also won't be highly owned, something else you want to think about. So, again, the table just being set for both ways, and I think you could go the other way as well. They are indoors. You know, Ryan's done work at home. You could easily do well with a Ryan Ridley Pitts with Devonta Smith coming back. Just something to think about, everybody. There's probably going to be a lot of points in this game. I'm not like Matt. I'm not really looking to get much done on the ground. I think this is a passing one for me. Matt, you have anything else before we go to Jacksonville and Houston? No, let's move on. All right, cool. That was really well done. Jacksonville and Houston, really kind of a slop fest probably on the surface. Although I will be honest, the more and more smart people I talk to, one of them being my my younger brother is a very sharp NFL guy. He's a little closer to a degenerate gambler, but sometimes those guys are really, really sharp and he can be very sharp against the public. I kind of scoffed at the idea of Houston winning any games. He seems to like Houston just this weekend because of Tyrod Taylor being an actual NFL quarterback. Those were his words, you know, T-Law, Hasn't really shown us anything yet. Rookies can struggle. We've seen that happen to Houston D. Not great. Vegas not really buying the shootout here. 45 and a half people is really probably centered right in the middle. I have found myself with all the delicious other options this weekend. Not really in this direction, even with some very poor defenses. In particular, both of these rush defenses were atrocious. They each allowed over 24 and a half hundred yards, more than four and three quarter yards per rush attempt. You know, really, really bad stuff on the defensive end there. I don't know if that really makes me want anybody. Maybe that's a James Robinson thing. Matt, can you cut through the fog or should we be leaving this one alone? Yeah, for GPPs, you probably want to leave this alone. Uh, for cash lineups, I think, I mean, no, in a normal week where you're not like having the entire world, I, I think that there is a, a chance at a low key like Trevor Lawrence, uh, James Robinson, uh, Marvin Jones stack. Uh, yeah. But, but you know, the, the game total, I believe, is going to be low. I just do. I, I think that James Robinson will obviously have a terrific game as Houston has maybe the worst defensive line in all of football. I expect him to do well, except I don't expect Jacksonville to score too much, um, obviously, in, in this in this game. So 6,400, I think, is a little expensive for me. At wide receiver, you can look over at Brandon Cooks to maybe try to do some damage against Jacksonville. But I think the guy to start here is uh, is, is LaVisca Chenault at 5000 But I think a lot of people may or may not be on him at that price. And along with Marvin Jones at only 3600 I think at 3600 he may be, I don't even, not chalk, but he'll probably be, I don't know, I'm going to turn my own phrase, a chalk sleeper. Like, I think he'll <laughs> be heavily owned. I think people will be really on him. I mean, in the preseason, LaVisca Chenault was definitely Trevor Lawrence's guy. He had the highest target share from Trevor Lawrence. 
Uh, but behind him was Marvin Jones, 25%. He had 13.3 yards per catch. Um, he could he could break a couple. And at 3,600, I think he's a fine guy to throw in your lineup. Uh, like I said, you don't want to use, like you said, actually, you don't want to use every single dollar. And that's not, that's not this week. That's every week because you're not building your most um, optimal lineup. Um, if you're spending every single dollar, that means that you are actually forcing a lineup into a construct that isn't necessarily what we want to do. Uh, you don't want to leave like a, you know, two grand on the table, but uh, yeah, make sure you just build the team you want. And I think Marvin Jones is someone where if you, if you feel like spending uh, a couple of places, he's, he's a perfectly um, he's a perfectly fine option to, to throw out there. I just, he might be in a few lineups, but again, at that price, if he goes off, um, you're going to want him in your lineup. You know what I mean? If, if he goes off for like, you know, a couple of scores and, you know, in, uh, in like a hundred uh, yards in this one uh, somehow uh, at that price that, you know, the, the winner's probably going to have him on their team at that price. So again, uh, even if you think someone's going to be popular, it doesn't necessarily disqualify them. So yeah, I'd be looking at Chenault and Jones, um, even though James Robinson, I think is a fine play in season long. I, I don't know how much they're going to really score in this one to make him worthwhile at 6,400. Yeah, I think we're in lockstep there. I'm fine kind of leaving this alone, although I would definitely agree. I think if you need a uh, running back one, it, it just could be there from the volume, from volume 6,400 for a full load at running back, of course, which just opens up the door for two touchdowns, right? I mean, it's just the game that we yep. play, pass interference in the end zone, plus maybe a regular rushing TD. You don't have to love James Robinson to see how he gets in the end zone twice against that poor Houston defense. So that's just somebody I think to circle as we're moving on. So let's go to the next one. Man, this one really kind of caught me off guard. I'm looking at the Seahawks and the Colts. I think this one in particular had the public probably the most whipsawed. Uh, that's generally, that's a trading term, which it means confused, man, right? When someone says they're whipsawed, it means we were long something, we thought the price would go up and it kind of goes down. And then when we're ready to reverse with the momentum, they go the other way. The Colts kind of, they kind of head faked us a bit with the Wentz injury. At one point, they made it sound like he could be out months. Now he's practicing fully for week one. And I think that kind of confusion has set people back a touch on how they feel about Indianapolis. I wasn't tremendously high in the offense. I think they're being undersold in general. I thought in fantasy drafts. So I, you know, I have a bunch of Pittman because I saw him as a potential top option, just going very late. Oh, but this one, I'm, I really just feel caught in the middle. I'm not in love with the Seattle. Oh, they move, they move a little bit slower than I thought. I kind of had thought of them as a fast-paced offense last year. They were near the bottom. They were in the bottom third, near the bottom in seconds per snap, over 26 and a half. That's, a, that's not a fast pace. And if they're going to run the ball, which they tend to do, this might not get the scoring that we're looking for. So I don't want to fall in love with, you know, Russell against, which is a tough defense. I'm, I think I'm off this game, Matt. Is there anything I missed or maybe anyone that you like that stands out? I think you, you per, I think you have most of it correct. I think this is a game to avoid as anything that goes off will probably be a little fluky. I, I'm sure that there will be some people in on Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell uh, to try to get something done in this game. But again, I, I, I think that there are better ways to go. My number one guy here would be uh, Gerald Everett, actually, um, yeah. who, who he did some fantastic things with the Rams leaves and goes to 
um, Seattle, who does have a new offensive coordinator and Shane Waldron came from the Rams and he's expected to maybe try to make things a little more aggressive on offense, maybe not run the ball quite as much as they have in the, in the rest of the thing. I, uh, this doesn't give me my stamp of uh, stamp of approval on Russell Wilson for week one. I believe it's 7,000. That is probably a problem. Like you said, against the Indianapolis Colts, but the Colts, even though they are a very strong defense, um, they they played the fifth most zone coverage last year, and that is probably going to be <laughs> to, to, in an effect to try to stop DK and to stop Tyler Lockett. Uh, they they actually l- like give up a lot of throws underneath. So I think if they're going to try to run the ball or be uh, and try to be aggressive at the same time through the air, I think Gerald Everett fits into that game script perfectly. And at thirty four hundred, I think that he could like soak up a ton of targets in this game. Um, so I, I think that in a game where um, I think there's a lot of confusion, I think there's a low price tight end that that could find himself, um, you know, exploiting uh, some zone coverage. And I think that he has a, he has a decent shot here to uh, to have a solid game. Yeah, the Colts defend really well, but I think people fall in love a bit too much with that. Maybe you know the, the Seahawks are still a. a a prolific offense and they're going to get it done one way or the other. I wanted to tie in one fantasy thing here, Matt, um, because I think it is one of the few fan, not say few fantasy decisions, but we were speaking about this. If you just drafted, you're basically rolling out your guys, right? That's what everyone does. It's intuitive and it makes sense. It's a smart move. Quarterback is somewhere where I, I don't want to say I stream, but I generally don't have the one a quarterback. I try and get two B quarterbacks rather than a B and a C, let's say. So when you have two B quarterbacks, you know, guys going in that middle, it's, you know, Stafford and Hertz and Tannehill, guys that I know we both share some love for. But what happens is if you have Russell, do you have to roll him out or would you go with the C? Are there any C quarterbacks? Because I don't think if you drafted Russell as an A quarterback, you went back and drafted a B quarterback like I don't think you have Russell and Stafford I think you have Russell and man it's Matt Jones and Zach Wilson do you think anybody at the bottom of the QB list you'd start over Russell Wilson or do you just roll them out there remember Colts D they're extremely difficult you know they can be extremely difficult and we've seen Russell have off games like everyone does so if you were ever going to sit Russell it would be in this one so, Matt, take, take me away on these, just even if it's in theory, the, the quarterback one situation for fantasy week one. All right, here he goes. No. <laughs> I, I'm not sitting Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Kyler okay. Murray, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers. I'm not sitting any of those guys. Ever. Ever. Hey, okay. uh, uh, Jalen Hurts, which we'll get to, I think is a, a huge risk this week. I yeah. highly doubt I'm sitting him because – for me personally, I think it's a mistake to ever waste a, a draft pick on a quarterback that late, that early after taking someone or that much, uh, you know, taking a QB two early in the draft after taking a guy like Hertz. So uh, it's few and far between that you would have an option that I would feel comfortable with. Um, so yeah, I, 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 you can start drawing the line at a guy like, um, like, uh, like Herbert, I'm sorry, not hurts. I meant Justin Herbert, um, right. who has a bad, who has a bad matchup this week. Um, that's where I think you start looking at the line, but yeah, the top like six or so quarterbacks, they're just, I, they're set it and forget it for me. Okay. I mean, listen, and that's, and that, you know, it makes sense. You make a good argument. I, I think, yeah, I think it has to do with my strategy. Like I generally, if I have a Russell Wilson, 
I'm going to roll them out there. I have just found, which is funny because people that follow my work know I'm generally conservative almost in any way possible. Like anywhere that I find I could save money or be safe or be risk averse, I do. In head-to-head football is one place I kind of grab the CEO Jones and go for it. So if I think somebody's struggling, it's funny for my love for Hurts, Matt, I would sit him in a blink if it was not the Falcons. It just happens to be one of the, you know, it's it's one of the defenses that I want to attack. So I'm rolling with Hurts. As far as, man, as far as Russell Wilson goes, again, even being very aggressive, I don't know if I love any of the other C matchups to go there. And again, I don't think you have a QB two. Well, it's one thing is I, I think it's consensus to to start your studs, but there I do agree with you that there is there is a time and the place to sit certain ones. It takes balls, yeah. but I mean Ezekiel Elliott was. It, it's easy to say this after the fact, but it's in print. I said it, and a lot of people have others said it. I saw it. His game was predictably going to be bad. He was facing a very tough defense and this game script was always going to be out of his favor. So he couldn't, people couldn't sit him, but there's plenty of running backs that were better matchups. So I, I, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough because like as much as people knew he was a fade, how many people had the fortitude to put him on their bench? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I mean, I was fading Zeke this year personally, um, so I don't have any shares, so I can't speak to personal experience on this one. Yeah, I I drafted Zeke in some spots, and I think you know when you go up against Tampa, your running back probably is not going to do much. I think when people saw the amount of scoring going on, you just hoped he found his way into yes. the end zone. You know, almost, he had a chance. Almost did. Almost did. Yeah, he had a chance. He had a chance. And then, of course, you know, all the trolls came out and there's your first round running back. These things happen. <laughs> yeah, Again, it, was a bad, it was a bad matchup. He'll be fine. Yeah, it's, exactly. It was a bad matchup. And uh, like you said, predictably so. Even with that being the case, I don't know if it's ever at the point where you're sitting, Zeke. You just got to eat. You know, you just have to eat those, right? Yeah. And if you're, yes, yes. If That's you're not going to have the attitude, and if you're not going to have the attitude of eating those, then you should have been proactively aggressive in replacing it because that is absolutely a spot that you would have replaced it. If I mean, you are going to sit Zeke, you shouldn't have drafted him. <laughs> that's my point. Know, that's I mean, I point, yeah. didn't draft him because I didn't totally believe in him, but if you did draft him that early, you believe in him. And that's when with Russ, that's my thing with Russell Wilson. I mean, obviously you didn't take him in the first round, this, you know, first round wide receivers and, and uh, first, second round running backs and wide receivers, you're going to start. If you believe in them, you, you play through because superstars should be able to beat um, tough matchups. Obviously Zeke didn't beat this one, but he, you know, he could have, and that's what your belief is. Um, I don't think anyone projected that he would be this ineffective and used so, so little in the game. Uh, so it went a little overboard, but yeah, in general, uh, you know, if, if you're starting, if you have like a top five, six option at a position, you're never sitting. I mean, you, you shouldn't because in theory, they're talented enough where um, the matchup technically shouldn't matter. Right. Yeah, you know, you know, you, you nailed it. I, I mean, think, and this is uh, season long, not DFS. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. And it makes a lot. It makes a lot of sense. And I think more importantly, the reason I kind of hopefully didn't derail the train, but just stopped at the station for a little bit, uh-huh. is because that is the kind of thinking that impacts your game across the board. I don't mean your your fa- it impacts your fantasy game, your DFS game, and even your prop betting. All of that stuff, the ability to parse the difference between, you know, risk 
going up to the 35,000 foot view and going long-term versus short-term micro versus macro and the handling of those things. And I it's really, fun, it, you know, it's funny to talk about though, because you're thinking like DFS is fun, right? Because it's one week. You can do whatever the hell you want. You could fade, right. you could fade Patrick Mahomes if you want, yes. um, because it's one week and it doesn't hurt you. But theoretically the, the thinking shouldn't change. If you just want to put out your best options every week, the DFS mindset versus the season long mindset shouldn't change too much, but you are shooting for the moon with a ceiling in DFS. And that's the big difference. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it is uh, for anyone who wants to make that argument. Yes. Uh, if you are completely fading a player in DFS, then maybe you should consider sitting them in season long. But if they are yeah. a stud, it, it does change things because studs come with a floor. And uh, in right. DFS, you want the ceiling um, and, and the floor uh, in in, the, in season long. You can afford to just take the floor without the ceiling sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I, when I talk about not starting studs, yeah, it's because I'm trying to shoot the moon. I mean, that's really that's really what it is. I don't want to eat, you know, I don't want to eat the floor that's there. Okay, let's let's move it on. Next up is my J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Going to crack a lackey to face the Carolina Panthers. Gotta be honest, Matt, I I love the Jets. I tend to love my teams very deeply. But again, when you, you know, sometimes you love something enough to hate it. And that's how I feel about the Jets as of late. Um, I, I think I on record last week saying that I thought this point total was too low. It was at 42 and a half. It's now up to 44. So other people are picking up what I'm putting down. The thing that I I missed on the other side of the CLV uh, is the Panthers were favored five and a half when this started. That's now down a full point in the Jets favor to four and a half. Again, we're not, it's not a betting show, but people, it is a very useful tool because line movements are an indication of the market, right? The market, the, the price does not move without money being put on that side or, you know, theoretically the other side of the scale. But let's just say without money being chips being pushed onto the table, those lines do not move lightly, particularly full points. So the public is expecting the Jets to keep this a little closer with a few more points to be scored. But at four and a half and 44, both of those are still low. Matt, this is the game I'm the furthest away from on the market. As much as I love the Jets, I don't think they can run with the Panthers. The Panther defense also is not very good. And I think maybe there's some expectations. The Jets offense will do some work. I'm buying a little bit of that, but not enough to keep it to less than a touchdown against the Panthers. And again, people thinking in terms of winning GPPs, a Darnold, I mean, the tough part is going to be keeping it to two pass catchers on the Panthers. I think you may have to, you know, you may have to flip a coin on Moore, Anderson, um, and Terrence Marshall are all studs. And then maybe coming back with either Corey Davis or Elijah Moore. So I think this game could go into the fifties easily. I'm way over and I'm way over on the Panthers. Those are pretty much the guys I like my GPP play. Also, I've mentioned him every time I spoke to Matt is Tyler Croft tight end for the jets. They actually moved Chris Herndon, who they loved as their offensive tight end, they moved him because of how much they like Croft. He is like min prime. I mean, you really have to go searching for him. I think he's at 2,500. So there's some salary relief for people. So, Matt, that's pretty much everybody I like. I'm really not going outside of that. So if you want to add to it or see if you can get some clarity on the Panthers wideouts, what do you think? Um, from um, from a DFS perspective, I think this is going to be probably one of the uh, higher 
most popular games to be to be stacked. I mean, everyone wants to make fun of Sam Darnold. I think he'll be among very popular stacks. I think people will take him along with McCaffrey in either Moore or Anderson. Oh, let me uh, stop you because there, there, there is the big question that I missed and I kind of forgot. Whenever McCaffrey's on the slate, because he's up near 10 grand, actually 9.5 DK bucks is probably, I'm going to assert, it's as low as you'll see him. So uh, you really got to start there. Maybe I should have. Is this a McCaffrey week? Because remember, with McCaffrey, it becomes very hard to bring in big pieces. Um, I If it wasn't the narrative of the freaking revenge game wasn't going to keep the, the percentage of ownership so high with the rest of the stack, I probably would say that, you know, like you said, McCaffrey is probably never going to be the chief again. Take your shot. Um but at this point, yeah, I think I'm not going to go that direction, which it could be a mistake because I could see Darnold, uh, you know, out of New York doing some damage here. But again, you have to pick the right wide receiver and more Anderson unless you want to like literally lean into this. And I think people will. I, I mean, I think there'll be people that are taking like the f- going like maybe full bore on this entire game. There'll be lineups that go entirely in this game. Uh, but I, I probably lean away from that price just because I think he'll be a part of a lot of popular stacks. I have no problem with it, um, but it's it's not my favorite. Um, that, Darnold and Wilson are at five thousand apiece. I I think that Wilson should be cheaper. Otherwise, I might have been interested in um, trying something with him, but not at five grand. I think Corey Davis, uh, even though I love him as a rest of season full season guy. The uh, yeah, me too. The Panthers aren't as terrible as people think. I mean, they have Jace Horn and Dante Jackson, and I think that Corey Davis is a guy that you want some big plays from. They're going to play some zone defense, which will probably prevent some of those big plays from happening. One guy I really do like in this game is a standalone, no stack, uh, is Elijah Moore, who is okay. buried at three thousand. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there, there, there's your point to the prices being out forever. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm sure many people will pick up on this. I, he'll by no means he'll be, he'll be chalked because he's still the wide receiver three, but I think that uh, this game will be high scoring. The jets do not have a running back that, uh, is, is, is the running back one. I think Corey Davis will run into a little bit of issue when it comes to the zone. I'm not that I expect a bad game out of him. I love Corey Davis, but at 4,900, um, you can take your shot on him. I have no problem with that. Um, I mean, a sneaky stack could be going if you want to if you want to be ballsy, you could try to go with uh, Wilson Davis and and Elijah Moore. It'd be very inexpensive. And if it hits, uh, you'll hit in a very big and uh, inexpensive way that'll allow you to do some other creative things. But Elijah Moore at three thousand, I think absolutely uh, that is that is something you should probably try to take advantage of. Um, if especially if you are building multiple lineups, I think you you, you want to have some. You want to have some exposure to this game for sure, but you can you can get creative and, and uh, be exposed at a very low price if you if you go on the Jets side rather than the Panther side. Obviously, you know you're riding with Zach Wilson, but hey, he looks he looks good to me. And like I said, the Panthers are underrated, but they're still the Panthers. Yeah, the Panthers' pasty was very bad last year. They didn't do much to help. I'm looking at it. I think they're actually dead last in yards allowed per drive up near 40. The average allowed 42 yards a drive. They're in the bottom third in completions and attempts, pass sacks, and they don't they didn't get any interceptions. Uh, I don't want to paint the picture where the Jets come through with an upset here. 
but I do think it's possible they can't keep up with Carolina out of the box. The Jets have to abandon any kind of traditional kind of run game. And then I think it's possible they surprise on offense through the air. I, I, again, I, I don't like to put my fandom ahead of anything. I hope they didn't. I, no, I, I, think did you're, I think the whole question is if Zach Wilson can stand the heat um, there. I think he'll be under pressure the entire game. Um, if he can, if he can be successful through that pressure, they can lose this game, but in, he could be a tremendous success in fantasy. Yeah, that, that and and if that's the case this weekend, that's the door open to the ton of points. I'm assuming, you know, the, the mark, I think the Panthers are going to, I didn't check the team total. It's got to be 27, you know, so they're not expecting three touchdowns from the Jets. I think you're getting three touchdowns from the Jets. So again, we talked about the stack, how you would run this. I think there's even potential the other way where, man, a will, this sounds crazy, but these are the kind of things that win GPPs, people I know, don't don't puke. Wilson, Elijah Moore, Tyler Croft, Terrence Marshall coming back. Why is that so critical? It gives you that base game stack while affording you all of the salary relief you could possibly want. Meaning, if that's the game stack to own and you have the right guys, you're also going to have the salary to run out any RB1s you want. Kamara plus Cook. And that is a pathway to winning. You know, both cash and GPP this weekend. Yep. All right, so I, I think that'll do Matt. Any last points on that? I hate to cut you off. Nope, no, I like it. Okay, let's move it on. Um, let me just shimmy back to my board here. Okay, we've got San Francisco 49ers and Detroit Lions. This is another really interesting one. San Francisco this game getting- seems like a trap. Yeah, it, first of all, it absolutely feels like a trap. I don't like when all of the news surrounding a team has to do with rookies, and then they're not playing. So, right, everyone was talking about backup QBs and backup running backs, right, in uh, Young and Lance, and I, I, neither one of them, I think, is going to start. And I think the finger is still an issue for the running back if I'm not – if I'm not incorrect, I've been, I was trying to monitor it every day, you know, a finger seeming not like a big deal, but you have to hold on to the ball. I'm sorry. I said, young, it's, it's sermon, the Lance and sermon. And so if sermon, that's got, that's a guy you have to keep an eye on. If he is out or limited, which I'm assuming, man, most are lines of the most dangerous players on the entire board. And I think it's 6,400 DK bucks, which is, you know, very reasonable. He should fit absolutely anywhere, RB2 or flex. That's the player I'm looking at the most. Again, I mentioned the cloud around San Francisco. I'm not really interested in Garoppolo. I think I want to see usage. I feel like Kittle should always be considered but at 6,300, I want to see it first, especially when you like guys like Croft or Jared Cook like I do near the bottom of the tight end list. I'm really away from most of this game. The thing I had circled, of course, the Detroit run D was just atrocious last year. Not a thing. They did well. Dead last um, pretty much across pretty much across the board. Actually, they weren't dead last in rush yards, but they were last in rush TDs. And the rush yard average was really bad. All the blocking stats are really bad. San Francisco loves to push it on the ground. That's where I'm focused. If I'm going to be here, I'm not going to try and get cute and win through the air. Lions side, DeAndre Swift practiced in full. So I think, obviously, there's a, a volume route, right, Matt, for him to do some work. 
But other than that, I'm really not interested. For me, it's the ground game here on either side or not at all. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, Mostert, you hit the nail on the head, especially with the uncertainty with Sermon. I think I think Mostert, uh, who they held out of most of the preseason to keep him healthy, uh, he, he had 7.6 yards per carry in the final preseason, preseason game. He looks good to go. And against the Lions, uh, who the San Francisco will be ahead of uh, early, I think that uh, he'll just be pounding the ball all game. They will use multiple options, but I think Mostert um, at 5,800 is someone you definitely want to probably try to move in there. Um, I've seen a lot of people pump up Ayuk that for starting this week. <clears throat> and it's for all the obvious reasons. Detroit secondary sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. three of their five, people that are going to be starting in the secondary are playing their first NFL game. Yeah, um, but like you said, I mean, we have a healthy, um, we have a healthy uh, wide receiver group here. We have, I mean, George Kittle at the tight end, you have Debo, Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk, and it's going to be a run. It's going to be a run heavy game script probably. So we don't know how the, how the targets will go. I mean, at 5,900 for Debo and Ayuk, it's not exactly a terrible gamble. One of them could blow up, but you could guess wrong. Um, I and, and there's also the chance that Jeffrey Okuda, who did not, who did not shadow last year, could shadow this year because they have a they have a brand new um, defensive coordinator who, uh, who who likes to uh, who who likes to shadow coming in from New Orleans. So I mean, that, I would assume that maybe take that could you know, maybe make Ayuk's day a little more difficult. There's a few question marks here to, um, to, you know, to make this a little, to make this a little more confusing, you know what I mean? So I I think that uh, you, you want to fade the, the past game. Like you said, I know that some people will probably try to be in on that. I think the most is the guy to grab 5,800, I think is a fine, is a fine play. Uh, Anyone who wants to like, I will say this on the Detroit side, fade everybody. I mean, San Francisco is still very good. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, you know, people will want to be like, oh, he's going to give so many, he's going to get so many targets of 4,900. I'd leave that alone. Uh, DeAndre Swift is limited. I know there's a million reasons to fade him. Jamal Williams, leave it alone, I think. Uh, against San Francisco, they're going to be behind. I don't see it here. So uh, in, the, in, the, in general, I don't like this game very much uh, for, for fantasy, uh, at least in DFS, but I do like Raheem Mostert. Yeah, especially especially at the price, Mostert's fair price. I said 6'4", he's actually 5.8 uh, DK bucks, so that's that's affordable. The thing that I don't like about him, and this is something I, I, I knew we'd get to at some point, Matt, I'm curious your take, even again, let's, we'll not derail, we'll just stop at the station for that actual info. And it's when DraftKings puts the opponent rank against and people see that green 31, right? The 31st worst. And I think they auto attack those things. Yeah. Most of its ownership percentage for DK is probably going to be through the roof. You touched on it. You touched on it briefly. I meant, I heard you mention it before. So I just want you to expand on that. Your, your thought of ownership percentage. So I guess the first question is, do you check an actual site for, you know, people do very, very well done projection models for ownership that are very close. So it's, do you check an actual ownership model? And then even if you don't, would you allow that to kind of sway your thinking? Uh, no. Um, I, I think I said earlier in the show is that I, I don't fade chalk. If I think that the price, um, the price allows me to like, if, if the, if I get the return on investment, I'm expecting you know, if if you if, if Christian McCaffrey has a giant game at near ten thousand, 
even if he hits, there's a price you pay for that, so to speak. You know, I mean, I, literally and figuratively. Uh, if you're going to get uh, a guy like Moster who blows up at his price, <clears throat> even if there's a lot of people that have it, it's almost one of those things where you can't afford to not have him on your roster. So this is more of a thing where I'd have multiple teams. I would want to have a piece of Moster. So h- him having a high ownership percentage wouldn't necessarily change me wanting to have a piece of it um, just because. It, it's so I can build the rest of the team in so many other ways. Like, um, you know, if that makes sense. So I, I think does. that, I, I think that ownership percentage certainly would sway me uh, for a ton of players. Uh, but for at a certain point uh, in a game where, again, in this game, I think people will be attacking so many players. I think people will be blinded by the thinking the lions are going to be throwing a bunch being behind that's a mistake uh people thinking that the detroit lions are terrible therefore Ayuk and, and debo having a huge game which again that could happen but i right. think that the, it's not optimal i think the most is just the guy with the least amount of question marks in week one and that lines up perfectly for me at price so i think there, there'll be enough people that are uh, maybe stacking that i wouldn't do and doing other things and uh, other combinations with 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 Moster that I wouldn't be doing. Where if I'm just taking him as a standalone player, I'm I'm pretty good with it. Yeah, I think you did a really good job with that. And I, it's funny, I agree, but there's always some kind of context and nuance. And I think when we get into the season, the one time I do let ownership affect me is when we have those obvious midweek running back injuries and the entire world goes after the backup. Yes. That is a time. That is a time I do fade it. Otherwise, I'm with you. I have a really quick back-of-the-napkin math lesson for everybody for this, Mm. and it really helped me. It helped me so much in my decisions. And let's, again, DK, you get 50000 in salary. I always like to assume victory at 200 points, right? 200 is very lofty. But if you want to win any kind of GPP, not necessarily the big one, 200 may not do it, but 200 is a great score. 200 is going to get you cashed, and it's going to win you know, all the heads-up matchups, and it's going to win a lot of the smaller GPPs outright. You know, you're going to have a run at the, at the number one bank with a 200. So what does that mean? You need four points from every $1,000 scored, right? Again, people, this is just math. Don't get mad. It's just math. So if you get four points for every $1,000 you scored, you end up with 200 points. So roughly, you could take the salary, remove the last two zeros, multiply by four, and ask yourself if that player easily makes that benchmark. You said McCaffrey, let's say 10 grand, he needs 40 points to pace you for 200. But then it also comes at the cost of kind of, you know, hand, hand, uh, handicap, hand, uh, kneecapping you, I should say. This is what I was looking for. And having to make it up with incredible values across the board. So you can see where that would hurt you. Raheem Mostert, 5.8, let's call it six, needs 24. 24 points against the Lions feels pretty viable, Matt. And so for me, that's the formula that I use. And it's not ownership. It's Moster can put me on pace for 200 points easily, according to my own work. That's what I go forward for. So before we push to the next game, Minnesota and Cincinnati, what do you think about that? Is it pretty, pretty simple, but it seems pretty impactful, right? No, I mean, honestly, you just you put a uh, you put a definitive answer of what I was trying to shorthand. And that's it. I, uh, it's uh, it doesn't if you're going to get. Uh, a proper return on investment it doesn't matter it's like uh right. you know right. if you if you're like um 
you know, all right, this is cheating, but let's just say the fix is in for a boxing match. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the payoff is usually really big for an underdog to, you know, to, to upset a favorite. That's where, you know, why they put fixes in to make a lot of money, but a guarantee is a guarantee. Let's just say you knew the favorite was going to win. You just knew it. The favorite is winning. Um, you have to bet a hundred to win $10, but it was a guarantee. You're still betting all the money you have in the entire world to do it. So, I mean, not that, not, not that I'm calling most of it a guarantee, but sometimes it just doesn't come down to it. If your math, if your expertise, if you, it comes down to it where you think you're going to get the proper ROI, other circumstances just don't matter at a certain point. Not that yeah. I'm just saying this is the slam dunk of slam dunks. You had, you, you had a much better explanation than I just gave now, but to give people more, um, a more like, you know, a uh, practical way of thinking about it. If you think something is going to happen and you're in, and, and, and you have a proper price in DFS, just uh, it makes the other variables just kind of float away a little bit. Yeah. Great, great job. And if anybody really wants to learn a little bit more about that, I, I there was a really great Twitter thread involving myself and our buddy, uh, Frank Amarante, who, uh, listen, I know he's been catching some guff lately. I appreciate people who try and do their learning out in public. And then, of course, you know, everyone makes fun of them. But he was talking about limits and I jumped in and a few other smart people jumped in about uh, just what you were talking about, Matt, using probabilities to weigh out pricing. Really important stuff. Check out my Twitter handle, um, blah, blah, blah. So let's get the next one. It's Sin. Min goes to Sin. Man, this one is really going to be interesting. I think the public is off on this one. I know. I love this game. People are stupid. Uh, <laughs> this one, too, over 47. Oh, man, yikes. I'm, I'm, I, don't know. I just really don't know where my, where my loyalties lie on this one. I'm, in. I'm afraid I'm, it's going to blow up, and then I'm afraid it's not. I, I know you're chomping to get this one, but I got to – man, I saw something that I knew I wanted to get at. There were – some injuries. Okay, okay. The Bengals pass defense, which were struggling. So Minnesota is usually pretty slow paced, right? And they're gonna wanna they're gonna wanna run, right? Yeah, Minnesota is pretty slow, right around the middle, at twenty six and a half seconds per snap. But then we know that they run the ball a lot. One of the leaders in rush attempts. The thing is, Cincinnati is healthy. They're gonna be looking to throw, and Cincinnati's secondary is decimated. Right now, they lost their best corner in William Jackson. And then, oh, that was in the offseason. And then Trey Waynes is out this week. They had already ranked 27th and past DVOA. Oh, so it, if you're Minnesota, it's hard not to see that and think, well, we got to kind of open the engine up, particularly, like I said, with the prospect of Cincinnati looking to push. This one feels like it could blow up for me. And I'm not, that's not what I'm getting from the public. Matt, talk to me about the Vikings and the Bengals. I, I'm not starting. I'm not interested in the in the Vikings like whatsoever. To be honest, I'm not starting any of them um, in DFS. I mean, in in in, in you know in, in season long, you're you're starting your guys. It's you know I mean you're starting Jefferson. You're starting uh, right. Thielen. You're starting um, you're starting Dalvin Cook. That's what you're doing in DFS. I, you know, especially with, I don't know what the heck they were thinking with the pricing T Higgins at 4,700. They have Tyler Boyd at 5,200 Jamar chase at 4,800 T Higgins at 4,700. What did T Higgins do to somebody? I mean, I know the Vikings brought in Patrick Peterson and Bashad Breeland, but no one can guard T Higgins. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he was, he was one of the, the best people on man coverage uh, last year. And I expect that to continue this season. Um, I think, you know, he, he was, he had a 24% target share last year from week eight onward. 
And Jamar Chase is a pretty big fade for me in this game, not for the season, for this game. I mean, he had the dropsies uh, all preseason, and you that is going to shake the confidence of Joe Burrow wanting to go to him at least early and often. So he may be a huge threat down. And again, if he has a huge game in week one, it won't necessarily surprise me, but practically speaking, he's a fade for me in week one. So that leaves Tyler Boyd and T Higgins for me. Tyler Boyd at 5,200, I think is a fine price, but again, his big game um, possibility is, is capped at the way he plays. I think he's a fine play, you know, in PPR to, to rack up some catches maybe, but um Joe Burrow is someone that people have faded to the moon. So if you're looking to yeah. do something a little different, I absolutely love stacking Burrow with Joe Mixon, who doesn't have Giovanni Bernard to worry about anymore right. on third down, along with T. Higgins. Uh, you can get Joe Mixon at only 6,200. You can get T. Higgins at 4,700. You can get Joe Burrow at only 5,700. We were talking about a cheap stack you yeah. can get with the Jets. I love this one with the Bengals that I don't think many people will be in on. I'm not saying to go all in. If you're having 10 lineups, do this in all 10, but um, Jamar chase cannot be guarded. I think Joe Mixon will do a fine enough job uh, in a game that I think will be a pretty decent one. And uh, Joe Burrow, I, I, he led the NFL, I believe in past attempts before going down. Uh, so last year, and I think that he's going to pick right up where he did. So I, I like it. I think people are going to be apprehensive with um, using Joe Burrow for all the reasons I just discussed coming off of his injury. Um, people think it's a crowded wide receiver room, but I think Jamar chase won't be as involved early on. I think T Higgins can beat that press coverage. And I think Joe Mixon is also at 6,200 uh, pretty underpriced uh, against a Vikings defense that is not really as good as uh, I don't know, I guess people are giving it credit for. Yeah. Well, I th- I, you nailed, you nailed the one thing that I wanted to make you just get back at again. Teams carry narratives that are not necessarily always true. Always true. You know, the Vikings allowed over 4,100 pass yards last year, over 6,300 total yards and 492 points. That was in the bottom three. I mean, they, the they demon, did bring it. They did bring in a couple people to fix that. Yeah, you know, um, agreed. But it's just people still carry this thing of like Vikings as like a hardcore defense, a hardcore run slash defense team. Just not necessarily, just not necessarily the case. And I think the ba- the Bengals are carrying their own, you know, negative perception where they're healthy, and that Bengals offense was just beginning to shake that narrative when Burrow went down because of the way that they were throwing. Again, th- this one. This could go in so many different directions. My problem has been trying to get my thumb on the correct bangle wideout. And I think you made a very compelling case for Higgins, particularly when considering the cost. Him being only $100 less than Chase, I guess it's easy for me to go with Higgins. But yeah, GPPs, I think we all know that there's an element of needing the white, the correct wide receiver. I like the zone point you brought up, Matt. Great job. All right, next up, we have this is probably the darling of the slate, I think, in Cardinals are going to Tennessee and just everyone is healthy and all the all the bad defenses are healthy and ready to give up tons of points. The market is well aware of that. The over is posted at 52, which I believe is is the highest besides Browns and Chiefs. So, I mean, there's not much to hide here. It's offense, 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 from what it appears like. Matt, is there anybody you need to play or just need to fade? Or do you just kind of take your chance with this one? All right. So, um, in the in the Tennessee game, uh, I'm, having, I'm having difficulty finding necessarily – 
a stack I want to roll with. Um, obviously, Kyler Murray is uh, in possibly the best uh, quarterback option for uh, fantasy in general in, in terms of uh, his ceiling for the game. At 7,600 at a quarterback, you're paying for it a little bit, but I don't think that that's, that's um, outlandish. I love Ryan Tannehill at 6,500, so for Kyler Murray at 7,600, I, I think that's a fine price to pay. My, my favorite guy to play is probably Tannehill himself. Um, I mean, I, I mean, Tennessee has like the fourth highest, um, implied total for the week. And so I think a shootout versus Arizona, very possible, uh, no Patrick Peterson anymore. And Arizona plays cover zero or cover one. And, uh, I don't see Arizona being able to be H a Brown or Julio Jones. Um, that being said, I, you know, I, I don't like the idea of maybe stacking Tannehill with, with Henry and, and Brown or Jones. I don't like that at all. I think that, um, Ferkser, it could possibly be involved, but I don't think that that's, that's not necessarily a fantastic matchup for him as well at, even yeah. at 3,200. So I don't like that. Um, <clears throat> so I, I like to stack in DFS. So I, I mean, you can, you can go with Tannehill and just uh, maybe go, you know, a two player stack is not a stack. It's not a stack. You need to, you you need at least like three or four players to, to do that. I don't know if I want to go with Tannehill Brown and Jones, which I don't necessarily think is bad though. And the more I'm talking, I may do one uh, because I think there's a chance that they really do wreck the, uh, the Cardinals, but I, uh, I I don't necessarily think I want to go that direction in, in a game where Derek Henry obviously can always take over and especially, you know, you know, take the ball to the end zone a bunch. We know Julio's allergic to the end zone at times. Um, over on the the Cardinals side, you can easily stack Kyler Murray with um, with either uh, honestly with either Edmonds or Connor. Uh, I think Edmonds at forty six hundred, only one hundred over Connor is you know Edmonds would obviously be the way to go. Uh, but DeAndre Hopkins, fantastic. Uh, I think that you can take a shot on Rondell Moore at only three thousand as well. There's there's so many ways. You can take it in this one, so I guess it's just a matter of uh, of deciding the direction you want to go. I think the best value on the entire board for GPP is probably Rondell Moore at three thousand because I think that he seems to be the wide receiver too. Um, uh, I know AJ Green will probably peek his head in there, and Christian Kirk is still alive. So in the end, uh, this is going to be uh, outside of uh, Nuke and De- you know DeAndre Hopkins. This is probably going to be pretty convoluted all season long. But um, this could be one of those things where Rondell Moore is obviously never going to be three thousand again. You could try to take advantage and throw him in there in a stack with Kyler Murray if you wanted to. Um, if you didn't want to pick a running back, especially uh, Edmonds or Connor, you could go with Kyler Nuke and more, something like that. Uh, but I love Ryan Tannehill, and with Arizona, you can't really go wrong um, with, with the with their high price guys. Yeah, it, this is the game that's going to make winning the GPP so hard because of the potential for this one to go to the moon. If you don't have any pieces or the right pieces, you can find yourself on the outside looking in. I think a good way is, like you said, to, if you're going to one-off – this is one of the places, again, I agree with you, Matt, I generally do stack, especially if they're talking to two guns. This is a place that I think you could one off the quarterbacks. You know, you could stand alone Murray because of the damage he does. And I think you do the same for Tannehill. He's got the rushing floor and a nose for the end zone. Arizona tried to beef up the run defense a bit. I don't know if it's going to be enough. 
you know, right, they brought in JJ. So I don't know if it's going to be enough to stop Henry. I don't know if anybody, you know, nothing short of an 18-wheeler is going to stop him. So this, this one's really, really tough. We're looking at a high-paced game with a lot of points. If I had to put it together, you know, it does make sense to have those game stacks. We mentioned if you went either Murray, Hopkins, and more, and you come back with A.J. Brown, you could go Tannehill, man, and Brown and come back with more. There's a lot of ways this one can either win it for you or lose it for us. So we're going to have to keep a close you know, eye on it. That's just I, I do. I, I want exposure to the running backs, though, with Edmonds and Connor. I mean, Tennessee allowed the seventh most fantasy points to running backs last year. And, of course, everyone – Thinks Edmonds. Don't you think it's possible Connor gets him? I, I think you get. I think you have me at Edmonds. My worry is in the shootout. Look at what happened yesterday, where we get these. There are game scripts now, Matt, where we just have a complete abandonment of traditional run games, and I'm afraid Connor might end up on the outside looking in. Then. Well, the thing is, like everyone anoints Edmonds as the starter, right? And well, I just have him as the pass catching back. He he um they yeah they he's had the opportunity to take the job over the last several years they've never given it to him last year after week 10 um Kenyon Drake actually outsnapped Edmonds 54% to 46% uh Drake had 35 of the red zone opportunities Edmonds only 12 i would think James Conner takes on Kenyon Drake's role um so even if Edmonds seems like a a maybe a gamble to some as the de facto RB one in most people's eyes for only $100 more. I actually like Connor. I, I like Connor. I think I might Listen, like you gotta Connor be sharp this week. I'm with you. You gotta be sure. So I, I think if I am going to go here and try to do something different, um, I don't maybe mind going Kyler and pairing him with, with Connor and nuke and more, you know, I mean, I, I will get, I will have some creative lineups with this game. Um, but I think Connor is an interesting one for GPP as someone that I think, I think that there's some people that are on to the fact that he could be that he could be solid, but I, I think this pricing with Edmonds only $100 more makes it more enticing for me because I think people will when they see those two for a hundred bucks, um, they'll have they'll have they'll choose Edmonds, and I think Connor is probably the guy who's going to end up being the beneficiary in this game. Yeah. Me too. Well done, everybody. Got to keep your eye on this game. What I, Again, if we're going to talk everything, and that's what I love about you so much, Matt, you're, you're so versatile across formats, and it's why people you know, gravitate to my work. I don't lock myself into just fantasy. I want to go where the money is. And to me, the money-making opportunity for this game is not in DFS. It's in same-game parlays. Prize picks, monkey knife fight, any of those things that you're into that you might be playing – I am going to be hitting the over, like looking for those, you know, same game parlay overs across the board because you could get, they have fantasy point overs where you'll be able to go Tannehill, Murray, Hopkins, Brown, and Henry. And there's a possibility they all get the 16 points you're going to need and you'll be able to hit on like a 20 to one. So when I see these crazy moonshot games, that's where my gut goes. Let's get into the next one. It is Steel Town, black and yellow, Pittsburgh going upstate New York to meet the Buffalo Bills circling the wagons. They met last year, and if I'm not wrong yet, Buffalo beat Pittsburgh 26-15. It was a bit of a slop fest in that one. And Pittsburgh was kind of able to snuff out Allen, one of his worst games, if not his worst game of the season, 238, 2 and 1, only six attempts on the ground for 28. Now, Josh Allen can do it all. You and I spoke already about the money and potentially that coming with some 
protection, right? And want a desire to protect that investment. I don't know if it's there in the Buffalo backfield. Guys, I have really had a hard time getting behind in Singletary Moss. I know you like Moss. You can get to him for today. This game, I'm not really into from a GPP standpoint. I'm not seeing the blow up here. Vegas is on the higher end at 48 and a half, which makes me nervous. I'm wrong. Uh, Matt, where, where, where are you? Actually, I'm sorry. I'm Matt. I'm sorry. I misread the, the total. Oh, it's 48, not 48 and a half. Don't hold it against me. So yeah, Matt, where are you on this one? I, I, I don't like it. I mean, the Buffalo backfield's an absolute no-go. In their last preseason game, Buffalo had 85% passes. Uh, Singletary was on the field for 15 snaps, and he got zero carries. Uh, I don't like it. I mean, no. No, thank you. Uh, Josh Allen, I mean, Pittsburgh allowed the second-fewest fantasy points to quarterback last season, and they still are strong. Um, I don't want to go there at all. Uh, I think that, uh, obviously, the – Tredavious White could give Deontay and Claypool some fits. But that being said, uh, Buffalo did, even though Buffalo is a solid defense, they did allow the 12th most fantasy points to running backs last season. They did. um, They were middle of the pack in fantasy points to quarterback, regardless of them having Tredavious White in the secondary. So I think Pittsburgh could do some damage. But they're on the road, and road Ben is is usually is usually shitty. Yeah, not the same. Yeah. That being said, he's been away for a while. Um, if you want to get weird, uh, I wouldn't mind uh, something. If you wanted to try it out, you can try stacking Big Ben with Juju. Uh, I think Juju uh, will avoid uh, the wrath of the Buffalo secondary um, yeah. as they they look at the big playmakers. Um, and you can try to go with the uh, maybe the workload that Najee Harris is no doubt going to have in this one as well. Overall, I'd probably avoid this, but if I was going to, if you were felt compelled, I, I would probably try something weird, a little Big Ben, Juju, Najee type thing. But um, overall, this is a game I just, uh, I'd like to avoid. Yeah, I'm with you there. I like Harris, 6.3 thousand um, DK bucks, which is certainly a viable play with the workload. The rest of it, I don't. I, even at seventy four hundred for Allen, he represents a player that could wildly outperform that. There were just defenses I look to avoid, and Pittsburgh being one of them. I, I'm going to let this one kind of play out. I think. I think I, Najee though. I think as a standalone, no stack. I think uh, sixty three hundred. He's a guy I think he could fit in yep. to another stack. Great. I think. I think his workload and the Buffalo defense. I think a lot of people give Buffalo more credit than they should. They don't realize that they can be ran on or at least scored upon by fantasy running backs. So. Uh, I think Najee is a is a nice play at 63. Okay, this one again, we're bringing the heat across all formats. One of my favorite bets of the entire week is this one. And it's funny because it's actually going to tie into what we mentioned before, Matt, about pricing. Now, anyone that follows my handicapping and betting work, I hate to pay juice. I'd rather roll my dice with underdogs and take a lower win percentage to get my profit. Juju Smith-Schuster, Matt, check this out. His reception prop, these are just catches, no yards attached, right? So that works in his favor. His line is set at four and a half. Is there any world where you see Juju having less than four catches on Sunday? Uh, no. Five, less than five, sorry, especially like less I than said, five catches. When, uh, when Big Ben uh, stares out into the abyss and sees that, uh, that the Tredavious White is shutting down one of his other guys, Juju, I think, will be his second read. Um, or, you know, Najee will be getting plenty of dump offs probably as well. So yeah, I think Juju, that's an easy over for me. 
Yeah, easy over. And I'd also like to point people even further again. You know, I'm not connected anywhere in football, so I can give away the, the cow for free. Um, is there are certain sites that allow you to get progressive payoffs. Now, again, Matt, I'm not from, know if you're familiar with this, but we could all learn together. So certain sites like DraftKings will post reception props over four and a half minus 150 juice. Again, I don't like to pay 150, but my model has this way over. What I'm talking about are sites like Fox Bets has been known to do it. Some other sites, you've got to get creative. You've got to look around because they change year to year. And what they will do is allow you, again, like I said, progressive payouts, meaning um, four and a half will be minus 150. Five and a half might be plus 275. Six and a half might be plus 625. And now rather than shoot the moon and try and, you know, get a 10 reception prop bet that pays 20 times, you can kind of chop up your risk and build a little pyramid. And if anyone is interested in that, again, you can get at me. I love to do these things. It's how I make uh, make some money in this here. I actually brought it up while, while I was rambling. And so Juju Smith-Schuster, nine grabs, Matt, nine grabs, which is fully in the range of outcomes, because again, Juju Smith-Schuster could make nine catches for 14 yards, is plus 500. So I, I think that's a value. I think a nine grabs happens less than five to one, eight grabs going off at three to one. So again, you could see how I could build that. Okay, so just people, again, I hope that wasn't a derail. That was more of just a stop at the station, but it's something that I hope you could learn from. Matt, let's get the next one. I guess we're taking a long time, but I think this is really good stuff. It's Chargers and Redskins. I know there's a quarterback discussion in here somewhere. This one I'm not really interested in. I want to let this one play out. I've basically avoided this one. I do like Jared Cook because of the last night, the, the, the um, the price is low. As I checked, yeah, 3,800 for Cook. I wanted to get it exact. So that's one spot I might be. Washington defense is very tough. I think Chargers are going to be looking to move the ball, and I think Cook may benefit from a lack of attention. Other than that, I'm off this game. Who do you like, if anyone? Um, I don't know if I'm on Cook, only because, I mean, the Washington defense, we know they're real yep, good. Yeah, I don't blame they, you. I don't blame they, you. They allowed the second fewest points um to wide receivers last year in fantasy points and receiving touchdowns obviously uh jared cook though um could end up seeing the could benefit from that because uh, obviously herbert needs to throw the ball somewhere and uh hunter henry had 16 percent target share from herbert last season obviously that'll go to cook more than likely i think you'll see a higher percentage in this one so i don't mind that i think that's that's actually not too bad uh because i think they're still going to move the ball a little bit i um at that price, I could I could take a shot. My actual favorite play of the game is on the other side of the field. Tight end is Logan Thomas. Oh uh, yeah. With, with Curtis Samuel down, I mean, the Chargers' defense isn't terrible in the secondary, um, but they did allow the twelfth most points to quarterbacks last season. Uh, they actually had the they were middle in the their middle of the road um, um, against running backs, but they actually gave up the seventh fewest fantasy points to wide receivers which is weird 12th most points to quarterbacks seventh fewest to wide receivers um so uh you know derman derwin james if he's healthy he'll probably be uh he'll probably be a little tougher uh in the backfield but logan thomas over the middle of the field he had a 19 percent target share last year saw 18 red zone targets uh the chargers allow the 12th most fantasy points to the tight ends i think with curtis samuel out possibly with a hamstring or at minimum maybe hindered 
Uh, Logan Thomas will be the guy that Ryan Fitzpatrick looks for. So at uh, 4,600, I love Logan Thomas. I think he is maybe my standalone that I like in this one, but overall I'm avoiding this game. Um, If Austin Eckler is somehow out, obviously there'll be a ton of chalk on Justin Jackson at 4,000. I would probably, again, leave that alone. It's still the Washington football team. Mm -hmm. Try to think of it as Austin Eckler was never on the team. Don't think of it as Austin Eckler's out and you're getting a value. Think of it as Justin Jackson versus Washington. You wouldn't want him regardless of the situation. Correct. Very Matt, perfectly put. I would just want to add one name, a guy that I really like, although I'm not crazy about the matchup, is Deami Brown for Washington, especially if Samuel is out. He's at 3K. I just like to circle guys at, at bargains. That again, remember that four times fold, 12 points from a player who could be the second wideout should be pretty easy to attain in PPR. Let's move it on. We're going a bit long, as kind of happens. Cleveland and KC, I mentioned that there's going to be an absolute metric ton of DFS interest in this game because it's the highest total. Again, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm a bit lower than the total here. I always think the Chiefs might are good for 30 I'm not sure what the Chiefs pass the Cleveland is going to be able to match up with them. But I think the counter to that, my own argument is for Cleveland to keep up, I think they're going to need to use that, you know, really well-run ground game, which burns clock. So I, I'm not I'm not seeing a situation where we get to the 55 here. I think if the Chiefs get out ahead, they kind of squash the Browns from catching up, then they sit on the clock themselves. So I'm not at 54. I do think the Chiefs win and cover, though I would never pay 255. This one, I I, I don't know. The Chiefs that I like come at these incredible premiums that I just don't want to pay because they don't match that formula. One person in particular, Travis Kelsey at 8.3 multiplied by four. He needs 35 points to pace me for 200. To me, that's just way too difficult. I'm not going there. Uh, so, I, Matt, this is the famous last word of DFS players. I'm fading the highest totaled game here, and I think I'm just holding my nose and hoping that it busts other people out. Uh, as you fade the game, we enter my favorite stack of the entire week. Okay, there we go. Let's go. I'm not starting any Chiefs, though. I agree with you there. The prices are just too much for me. I just Other people can have fun with it. Um, they have to blow, blow, blow up in order for me to regret right. not going there. I will. Right. Um, for the team against the, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, who had the 11th most fantasy points to quarterbacks last season, the 11th most fantasy points to running backs last season, and the eighth most fantasy points to tight ends last season, I will be stacking Baker Mayfield, who looked pretty solid down the stretch last year um, with Kareem Hunt. Oh, by the way, uh, Baker Mayfield at 5,900 with Kareem Hunt at 5,500 who, again, I believe they will be behind to Dick, to Nick Chubb's uh, detriment. Kareem Hunt will be involved. Odell Beckham Jr. at only 5,400. I don't care who you are. You cannot guard. I know that they do have a couple of uh, guys in the secondary from Kansas City who could who could do a solid job. But, again, a healthy Odell Beckham Jr., you cannot you cannot guard, and he yeah, is he's healthy. Yeah, such a beast. Yeah. So, again, 5,400. And then, of course, yeah. uh, leaves me with Austin Hooper, who I was off tremendously when he left Atlanta because I thought that was a perfect situation for him. But he was third on the Browns with a 19% target share last season. Um, and he had nine red zone targets. So, um, you know, and, and Kansas City is really terrible against uh, tight end. So, yeah, give me Baker Mayfield, 5,900, 
Curry Pond at 5,500, Beckham at 5,400, and Hooper at 4,000. And I can still afford studs because those prices are just too good for me to avoid. I mean, I love it. You know, I mean, Hooper, you know, you can go another direction with Hooper if you want to. I know going four straight against is is difficult, especially if you're you're not totally on board, but I like it. I'll probably go four across, but I'll definitely uh, be taking at least three of the four. Um, Beckham for me, at 5400 i don't see how you can leave him out if you're especially if you're playing multiple lineups i don't see how you cannot take a shot uh on Odell beckham jr doing some damage yeah you know what i want to pivot again to my conversation with two gun and i even though he did save a generally meaning a majority of the time run out that qb plus two catchers with the catcher coming back there's also a spot where he was talking about this year in particular circling one-offs that can just wildly outperform. And for me, that's your Beckham play. So maybe I'm not fading the entire game. If you end up with a salary around that and you're looking for a flex player, I I think you're going to be hard pressed um, to find somebody of that caliber at the cost, right? He's, you you said it, he just can't be covered. And it sounds so silly because I generally don't like to overreact to like little clips on the internet and stuff. When you're seeing him run full speed and grab a ball with his fingertips, the way he does, he feels fine. You know, he's, he's fine. And at 5,400, you you think about the guys going around him. I mean, Devontae Parker, like I could just, I could just take Parker over Beckham. I don't see it. Sutton maybe is in consideration, but then you're down to like Sterling Shepard and Jacoby Myers, both guys that I kind of like, but I don't think they're in the same category as Beckham. Let's move on, Matt. You did an awesome job, as I think everyone comes to expect. It's your cheeseheads, green and yellow, green and yellow, Green Bay Pack going to NOLA to meet the Saints. This one, too, getting a lot of love on the board, 49 and a half. A little weird for me. My initial take from this one is the pace that I'm projecting does not meet that. You know, they're two of the slower teams, if not like the slow, if not, I think Green Bay was the slowest team as far as pace in the league. The Saints were bottom five in pace. Now, maybe I'm overreacting to those kind of trends, but wow, once I started getting into pace stats, Matt, and then you see it play out, you're like, wow. Just to give everyone a hint, yesterday, the two top paced teams faced off and we kind of saw where that went. They rushed to the line, they snapped and made run tons of plays and they're very efficient. Packer and St. Offenses are both good. So I, it's, I'm not befuddled by the by the total, but I just see when you look at the defensive stats as well, they're both pretty good. This one not getting to where it is. I think this one is bad chalk, Matt. And though I like Adams, he's my favorite wideout perhaps in the league. It, you know, it's not that I don't like them. I, I think this one, when I handicap baseball games, Matt, and I don't like them, the term I've fallen on was a dog fight. So in baseball, that's 4-3. In football, let's call it 20-17 to 17 or 17-13, to 13, where the offense just doesn't do enough to pay the bills. So that's all I got on this one. I'm kind of off it because the guys I like are very expensive, and I'm not expecting ceiling games. What do you think about your pack and the Saints? Um. I think that I mean I think there's one guy that is 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 fairly must start and that's Alvin Kamara at 8600. That's very low against a Green Bay Packers team who I know very very well cannot stop the run, especially against a very talented um, runner as as Alvin Kamara. Luckily right. for them, if they st- the the problem is like they they don't have anyone 
in the secondary that they necessarily need to shut down. Therefore, Jair Alexander doesn't necessarily have to, to shadow anyone. Not that, not that he did that in the second half. He actually stopped. Um, so uh, Alvin Kamara at 8,600, I think that uh, he'll be getting the fed the ball an enormous amount. So I think at 8,600, that's the lowest. Again, you'll see him all year. He's fine. Other than that, I don't really like any play here. Um, right. I think this will be a tough game. I think that if you want to uh, be a little outside the box, Marquez Valdez scaling at 3,700 would have been okay. Uh, he seemed like someone that should have been priced even lower. He has, he is, he can always break a, uh, a slate wide open if he just catches a couple of deep balls. So he's always someone that is going to be a possibility for me. Um, obviously Marshawn Lattimore, who was not, he was a ghost of himself last year. He'll be a, over on Devontae Adams. Uh, Randall Cobb will see a bunch of catches here, but I, I think his ceiling is, you know, obviously capped at the kind of player he is right now. Um, I like him in season long a lot. But, yeah, overall, it's uh, it's basically just the Alvin Kamara show. Okay, yeah. I, 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 I would also it, fade uh, Tanyan as well. Okay, yeah, good call. I think you – yeah, I, I shouldn't have called it a total fade when – yeah, you mentioned I, I – I guess I put, uh, I got in front of myself. I do really like Camara as far as the, the Ferraris go, right. As far as the high, hey, you, you go with that cheap Brown stack. You can afford Alvin Camara. <laughs> same with the jets. And again, I, I think that's, yeah, we're laughing, but you know what? I would absolutely not be surprised to see Browns plus Camara in the finals, you know, up in the top 10 or whatever, because it makes sense. Maybe the Green Bay defense will keep people away from Camara. I don't know. He's kind of matchup proof, but also he's a player at 86 that 33 to 34 with his work and volume of work in the pass game seems a lot less difficult to get to. You know, he's one of the few people that you could see getting in the mid thirties without a touchdown because, you know, he could just rush for 75 and then catch eight balls for 70. It's just, it's unbelievable. He could hang a, a 24 without a touchdown. Let's say, yeah, I guess to get a 30, you need, you need a score, but he's, he's a heavy favorite to get in the end zone anyway. Um, next one. This was the filthiest game on the slate for me, even more so than Jacksonville and Houston. Under. It's, it's, bron- <laughs> it's Broncos and, gi- and Giants. And Under. I, oh gosh, I have a giant woof going on for this one. I kind of laugh at just, you know, madam, I'm the professional handicapper for baseball. So I stare at lines and movement. This is what kind of what I do. It, I, and I laugh about the the over under right you immediately said under and it's funny that this one's at 41 and a half but people that's like the bottom that's the bottom very rarely and in fact i i don't i don't have the historical stats i doubt there's ever been a week one game with this low of a total have we had we let's put it this way if this game is being played next week it's probably 38 and a half 37 and a half just because we haven't seen them and there's some question marks yeah there's really nothing i like about this one i like uh noah font for fantasy purposes, um, it does look like he'll play. We're not sure. He's not 100%. So right there, I'm like, no, thank you. I doubt the quarterback play on both ends. I thought maybe Evan Ingram could be a safety blanket for Daniel Jones, but he's now doubtful after do not practices Wednesday and Thursday. Barkley is a question mark. I just, I just can't get behind anything anything in this game so what's that mean it's going to be you know 41 38 giants and the gpp <laughs> winner is going to come from this game but no i mean again i don't play 150 lineups i'll probably have 10 to a dozen and even in the 10 to a dozen matt i don't have anybody going here what do you think 
I think everyone thinks of the Giants and they think sucks, but their their secondary is actually not bad. Um, and it's it's still not bad. So I mean the Broncos pass catchers, again, you're starting you're well, we'll we'll see uh um I mean Sutton will be fine, Judy will be fine as far as like if you drafted him. Oh, Judy's gonna be chalk, I think. You're gonna like be massive chalk. You think it DFS? I think this weekend, Jerry Judy with the heat and helium, oh. he caught and the perception of the Giants defense. Um, I believe he's going to be tre- tremendous chalk. I, I really think that's, do. I think it's fool's chalk, to be honest. Oh, I, I think I agree with you, um, but I do the, think the ownership will be there. The only players I'm interested in are the running backs for the Broncos, who I think they'll be able to do some damage against the Giants. Uh, Melvin Gordon, I think, is going to be the guy, at least to start the season. Javante oh, you Williams, broke I so think, many hearts. You just broke hearts right well, there. Well, Javante Williams will absolutely be the guy halfway through the year, but it still be a timeshare. Um Melvin Gordon's at 5,300 early pricing. Javante Williams is only 4,000. I think you can play them both, not on the same team. Uh, That would be stupid. But I think that there's room to uh, have shares of both if you're making, you know, if you want to spread the wealth across a bunch of lineups. I think Melvin Gordon is certainly my my primary choice of 5,300, though, uh, who I think will be leading the the group. I, I think this will be a lower scoring game that the Broncos have control of, and that'll probably be a Melvin Gordon snore fest. Uh, I don't necessarily dig his ceiling though. So it's definitely not one of my favorite things. Right. Um, in GPP, I don't know. Javante Williams, we know how talented he is. I think he could, he could probably break something. So if anything, he's probably my favorite one for GPP. I think Melvin Gordon's maybe sneaky, uh, cheaper guy for cash games. That'll bring you a nice little floor, but overall I'm not excited about this game. Javante yeah, Williams of four thousand is interesting, but I I I don't think the workload will be there, so it's not it's not a it's not a, a definitive enough floor for me to be too excited. Now, what about one thing I have heard? What about Shepard with volume without Ingram? Do you think just the volume alone pays Shepard again? Let's use the same math. Let's be consistent. Five thousand DK, twenty points for a wide receiver. One, you know, twenty points is shouldn't be that crazy. I, I think he probably need to get into the end zone to get there. No, at fifty one hundred, I think it's fine because I mean, I, I, mean, I think Galladay at only five hundred more is is a huge fade coming off the hamstring injury. He didn't have time to get rapport with Daniel Jones at all. So I think without Ingram um, and then Galladay is uh, probably limited in the entire game. And Saquon Barkley is apparently going to be f- faded in a little bit. There's only there's only so many people on the field. Uh, you know, Darius Slayton at 3,800 is not quite cheap enough, I think, to take a shot on. So, yeah, I think Sterling Shepard's fine at 5,100. Um, it's just that there's so many people on that team could find the end zone that I don't truly like it. I know it's not quite cheap enough for me, but I, I think it's fine. Yeah, agree. This one, again, when, when it's kind of messy, it's okay to let it be. Let it be, let it be. Matt, round and third, heading towards home. We're inside the five. Let's punch it in. Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. A lot of quarterback questions in this one. One of the lowest totals, again, on the slate. This one is real low. Oh, oh, right. Uh, yeah, 43 and a half. Sorry, I want to get it exact. We're close enough that these every point does kind of matter. So, again, the market not thinking much of this one. Dolphins a three-point dog. That was kind of the bet that I liked. I bought the half point um, because the plus three was at plus money. So I was getting the, the hook. You know, where I think the Dolphins kind of win this one outright at plus 150, but I don't love much of 
anything. One thing I did see, though, was Nelson Aguilar got downgraded to DNP. So I mentioned volume. Dolphins defense is pretty good. Do you think it opens a door for somebody like Myers? Or is this another one you want to see what Jones has and who he likes the most? Uh, no, I actually I, I'm keeping a close eye on Nelson Aguilar because he's actually, he's actually one of the few people I liked in this game because um, I, I know people are really on Jacoby Myers, but Nelson Aguilar, even for his size, is fantastic at press coverage. And that is exactly what uh, what Jones and Howard like to do over in Miami. I wouldn't be so, surprised if he misses the game, though. Yeah, no, no, that's the thing. Uh, that's yeah. I, I want to keep an eye on that. Uh, um, no, let 40, me ask you a question. Here's another really good. Here's another really good theoretical because I get I get blown off with injuries all the time. If a guy like him practices, you just run him out with no doubts. Does he have to practice in full? I know that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't tell you anyone. If you okay. want to know my feelings, you can DM me on yeah, yeah, Sunday. Okay. <laughs> uh, right. uh, I because I, you can never really can tell. Uh, I am off Jacoby Myers in this one. I'm off. I'm, I'm pretty much off of everybody. I'm off of everybody. I I really liked uh, I really liked Aguilar, and it's unfortunate that he he had any kind of a setback here. Um, and I'm yeah, I, I think the tight ends are complete no go on each side. I really know people love Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, but uh, I'd Henry like. Henry looks to, like and, he's going to play for the worth. And they, and they're going to they're going to play more twelve uh, man uh, sets than anyone in, in you know in the in the game probably. Uh, but they'll both be out there. But then I don't know how that's going to go. I, I I think Mac Jones. You want to see how this? I need to wait and see how this offense goes in general. I was interested in in um, Aguilar just because I know his ability to beat that press. But uh, yeah, overall, I'm avoiding this game. Yeah, there one player I did want to circle. One of my favorite players in draft season also is, you know, he fell into that Elijah Moore category of his helium took off kind of after the draft board, the DraftKings prices got posted, I should say. And it's Jalen Waddle at 3,600. It seems pretty easy for him to get 12 points. You know, uh, we need between, let's even say we need 14, seven for 70 from, from who could be the top target. Um, Preston Williams, I believe, of um Devontae Parker is what I mean practice in full so he'll be on it Preston Williams was limited the last couple days I don't know if he's 100% which could get even if he is could make it more of a decoy and could make Waddle a target and people kind of like Tua which I did so I think there might be GPP gold there with Waddle again you know you're kind of grabbing the CO Jones when you dive at it so you go Matt, with the Tua the Tua um the Tua Gaskin and Waddle stack now, I, you know, it's funny. You, you've actually mentioned that a couple of times where you've mentioned stacking the QB with the running back. Not something I generally do. Is well, that something you, I, I you think often it, go it, for? It depends. I mean, usually it's the, uh, well, I mean, pass catching running backs. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, but if they're not in there, I think this is a unique game where I think that um, if you're looking to go completely outside of the box and you believe since obviously uh, Stefan Gilmore is not in the game um, and um and Will Fuller is out. Devontae Parker is going to just soak up some like regular targets, and Jalen Waddle is your home run hitter. You stack the home run hitter with right. the quarterback, um, and then I think that they're going to be probably leaning on Gaskin, which is probably going to be their primary uh, weapon against New England's defense, who I think gave up like the 16th most fantasy points to running backs. That's probably the best way to get to them. So I think it's an interesting way to go that – not many people will. I think if Miami's going to have a good game, it's going to probably 
uh, come from those uh, three players, at least as far as ceiling goes. Uh, I, I, if you, if you believe in Waddle, I think that's something you can try to put together. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think one takeaway from what you just did there, people, is uh, to kind of you could dedicate yourself to the narrative, right? Right. If you if you believe that the Dolphins are going to win and that's the pathway to do it, don't let kind of these general rules take you off it. I, I think the point you made in the narrative you drew make a lot of sense, Matt, and at the cost justifies those plays. And then even further, the fact that stacking a team's core players that, again, people love to do, oh, this team can't score. They Everybody could score 30 points on Sunday. That's a fully in a range of outcomes. And that, and again, it opens the door to allow you to have a front stack with Kamara or whoever else, you know, you tend to really Yeah, like just to the paint the picture a little more for people. Again, you said the narrative. Tua, if, if Miami's going to do this, um, you know, in, in, in a convincing fashion, and you believe in the Jalen Waddle. Uh, basically you have uh, Tua getting a couple of his home run balls to Jalen Waddle, and that kind of sets up the stack there. Right. Um, he also peppers the rest of his stats uh, Tua, to um, some short passes, Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker will have a ton of targets in this one. Um, and, you know, he'll, he'll build up right there. And the idea of them being ahead the entire game and trying to just bleed the clock down with Miles Gaskin, who could also find the end zone. Um, it's not a massive... Um, it's not a massive, like, uh, you know, over-the-top Kansas City Chiefs type stack. But, again, you're coming in at two at 5,400 for a quarterback. Uh, Miles Gaskin at 6,000 and Jalen Waddle and only 3,600. It's just another one of those cheap stacks we talked about where you can go out and um, attack other options you really like. And in this particular instance, it's a very low own. So it's, it's an interesting way to go in a GPP. This is not something I'm telling you to do in cash. This is not something I'm telling you to do in multiple lineups. It's just saying something that's interesting to try. Yeah, that was, that was really well articulated, Matt. Something I kind of getting spoiled from working with you. Uh, we made our way all the way around. That was really awesome. I'm looking forward to doing this episode every Friday. I think we kind of walked into what's really a great set of actionable info for people to take, again, across all formats. You know, I don't like being hamstrung to just fantasy or just DFS, right? I, I gave you a little bit of everything. There's prop plays, there's same game parlays to be had, a lot of ways to make money, profit, and have fun at this stuff. I think I got to everything I wanted to. Matt, is there anything we missed before on the way out? No, that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing this every Friday. I mean, I know it's a little bit of a lengthy show, but uh, there's a lot of games to go through. So if you're looking to uh, have some fun and to make some money this season, we'll be here every Friday. Yeah, appreciate you. So that's me, John Legaza at NFL, parentheses, MLB, moving averages at MLB, MOV, ING, AVG, and Matt Williams of NBC Edge fame, my good friend at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7. I am S. It was such a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to this. People get back at us with any feedback. We want to know how to make it more efficient, how to make it better, what we were missing or what we maybe put too much of in. So thank you. That was the Daily Blitz podcast. Thank you, everybody. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell all your friends about it. We'll see you at the windows. Hey, everybody. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shifts, ripping off rip, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad will, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up facade, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz.